Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. In John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Our goal is to encourage everyone to grow in the Christian faith by anchoring themselves to the secure truth found in the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. Therefore, Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he said this, He went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. The Gospel of John, chapter 18, verses 37 and 38, New American Standard Bible. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 5 and 6, New American Standard Bible. Hi, I'm Victoria Kay. Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. I'm here today with R.D. Fierro, author and founder of Crystal Sea Books and part-time health consultant. He checks the expiration date of the ibuprofen in the medicine cabinet. Sometimes we need it for some of the concepts he foists upon the staff. Like today. R.D., I think that you said that today you want to start a new series where we're going to talk about a couple of very simple and non-controversial topics. The nature of truth and the nature of faith. Exactly. How hard can that be? All we're going to do is be talking about two five-letter words, truth and faith. I'll bet most people use one or both of those words every day. I just want to talk about what those words actually mean. Piece of cake. Sure. Sounds like the real potential for head scratching or headaches today. Well, before we start talking about the topics that have had the philosophers and theologians wrangling for thousands of years, Maybe we should start on a lighter side. How about if we listen to how all the debates got started in the first place with a life lesson with a laugh on the very first verse of the Bible? R.D.? 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 Where are you, man? I thought we were going to start out our series on Genesis today. I was on my way to the recording room and all the lights went out. Dude, it's totally dark in here. R.D., R.D., get that artificial intelligence thing to turn on the lights. Where are you, man? Ow. R.D., I can't talk yet, no C.J. I don't exist. What? What do you mean you don't exist? I just heard you. And my name's not no C.J. It's Jerry. In the light or dark, it's Jerry. Be right. Turn on some lights. Be right. 
I can't turn on the lights or talk in the light or dark, Jerry. I don't exist either. What? Where's that door? Ah, is this recording room? R.D., quit fooling around. This is creeping me out. Whoa there, in the dark, Jerry. I'm trying to set the scene for what it would have been like before anything existed, including light. No need to be creeped out. Creeps don't exist yet. Uh, Not so sure about that. Look, can we just turn on some light? Be right? I'm not concerned with what R.D. says. Turn on the light. I've already banged into three different walls, and who knows what else. Nice try, J-Bang. But that's not going to work to get the lights going. What do you mean? If I existed, I would say I believe Artie is trying to bring a sense of drama to our lesson today on the opening verses of Genesis, J-Bang. I suggest reflecting upon the text of Genesis. Maybe that will help you see the light. No pun intended. And once again, allow me to exist. Okay. Be right. Lights on. Nope. Uh, be right. Power up. Not even close. All right. This is ridiculous. I, d- I just don't understand. Uh, oh, wait. Okay. Try this. Let there be light. Bingo. Be right. Do your thing. <laughs> I didn't mean to turn on every light in the building. Now I can't see for a whole different reason. Well, as J-Bang recovers his sight, be right, why don't you give us the Genesis text? Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said... Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. So see, Bang and Jay, we're just following the text. One instant, everything is dark. Next instant, boom! Light everywhere. Well, sure. But there weren't any people around to get blinded. Remember, people didn't get created until five days later. Oh, and my name's not Bangin' J or J-Bang or no CJ. It's, oh man, does anybody else see spots in front of their eyes? Hmm, well, you do have a good point, J-Spot. It's entirely true that probably the only intelligent beings besides the Lord who saw the lights go on were the angels. I guess I could have spoken to you earlier if I were an angel. Oh, yeah. No. In that case, you were definitely better off keeping quiet. Not sure what you mean by that, J-Spot. I believe that J-Spot is making use of an additional meaning of the word angel, R.D. You were referring to non-corporeal created order of intelligent beings, whereas J-Spot was making a comment on your, shall we say... Somewhat wayward behavioral tendencies. Not sure what you mean by that, B-Right. B-Right means you're frequently the source of, shall we say, trouble around here. Well, anyway, hopefully you can see the point we were making in our lesson today. Uh, Hey, I'm barely able to see anything right now. At least the spots are starting to go away. The point is, 
that at one point in eternity, nothing existed. And in the next instant, God created the heavens and the earth. Then he began shaping his creation so that ultimately it would be suitable for man. And the first step in that process was to create light. Then he moved on to separating nights and days. Theologians tell us that God created ex nihilo. There was no pre-existing matter from which God shaped the universe. God created the universe from nothing other than the ineffable power of his own being. By the way, since I was able to speak before we turned on the lights, I suppose that makes me an angel too. Well, you're probably a lot closer to the one than he is. R.D., are you wearing sunglasses? Have you been wearing those the whole time? Oops. Well, I guess your vision is pretty much back. I had a pair of sunglasses for you. They were right on the stand in front of you. Yeah, I couldn't see them. It was dark. By the way, J-Spot, the next lesson is on separating the waters. Knowing R.D., you might want to invest in some fishing waders. What? Oh. Well, that's it from banging J-Spot. Oh, and it's still Jerry. Sure. Still Jerry. Sure. Me, R.D., and the whole Crystal Sea creation crew for today. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalseabooks.com, where we're We're not not famous, famous, but our boss is. Hmm. Hard to know where to go from there. I suppose you want to connect the fact that light and truth are pretty much inseparable. Well, that's not a bad start, actually. And it's actually a very relevant observation. In the Bible, light and truth are connected so frequently that they're practically synonymous. But let's start our discussion today with the question that Pilate asked when he was interviewing Jesus before Jesus' crucifixion. We heard that question in our first scripture today. Pilate asked, rhetorically really, because he didn't wait for an answer, What is truth? The scripture says that immediately after Pilate asked the question, he went outside to the Jews who couldn't come into the location where he was because it was a holy day and they would have defiled themselves if they had gone in. But Pilate says he didn't wait for Jesus to answer the question, what is truth? He just immediately went outside and told the assembled Jews that he found no guilt in Jesus. Now, it's kind of interesting. If Pilate had been with Jesus just one day earlier in the upper room, he would have had an answer to that question about what is truth. Because in the upper room, in John fourteen six, Jesus had said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. Yes, Jesus told his disciples that he, Jesus, was the truth. Now, this is going to get a little tricky. Oh, no. Not headaches this early. Well, not headaches, but maybe some head scratching. Notice Jesus didn't say that he knew the truth or that he was going to tell them the truth. No, what Jesus said was that he was the truth. And as God incarnate, if Jesus said that he was the truth, he knew what he was talking about. But that's not the tricky part. The tricky part was that Jesus connected his being the truth to him also being the way and the life. So to put it simply, Jesus was connecting himself in a very unambiguous way to being the way to eternal life, because after saying that he was the way, the truth, and the life, he went on to say, and no one comes to the Father except through me. 
Now, the reason that I want to start there is because in those two very short sentences, Jesus laid out the super high stakes for not knowing the truth. Jesus said in those two statements that if we don't know the truth, we don't have access to the Father, which of course means we don't have access to the eternal bliss that comes with the Father in his heaven. Yikes! That's a sobering thought. So what you're saying is that it's incumbent on everyone, but particularly Christians, to understand what's at stake when we talk about truth. Real truth. Not just everyday truths like whether we're the ones who left the back door open when the flies came in, or whether we filled up the gas tank in the car. Christians are the ones in possession of the big truth, that Jesus is the key to eternal life. Exactly. And that's why it's so important that we have a very clear-eyed understanding of what truth is and what truth is not. I mean, today, a lot of times you hear people on television or in social media or on the radio, you hear people talk a lot about my truth or your truth. Well, the big problem is that when they use those kind of terms, they're making a very potentially dangerous mistake because they are subtly transforming the meaning of the term truth, and they are in effect using the term truth when what they should really be saying is, my opinion, or your opinion, or my preference, or your preference. Opinion and preference, that's not what truth is at all. Okay, we're back to Pilate's question. What is truth? Well, simply put, Truth can be defined as that which corresponds to reality. I just want to say that one more time because I don't want the folks to miss it. Truth can be defined as that which corresponds to reality. Sounds simple enough. Truth is what corresponds to reality. What's so hard or controversial about that? Well, when we're talking about everyday truths, like whether someone filled up the gas tank after they drove the car, It's probably not a very controversial claim to say that truth is what corresponds to reality. And there's an easy way to settle those everyday competing truth claims. If you want to know whether or not there's somebody filled up the gas tank after they drove the car, you just go and look at the fuel level in the car. But the problem arises then when it comes to the really big truths, like whether God exists or whether there really is an eternal heaven or eternal hell, That's when the trouble arises, as we all know who live in today's society. Well, I think that many people would say that for the time, as you put it, big truths, we can't know the truth. We can't know the reality for sure. Yes, people can and do say that. But that's why it's important for us, particularly Christians, to ensure that we understand the truth and that we can provide reasonable answers to reasonable questions. That's what 1 Peter 3.15 requires us to do. But in order for us to be able to explain truth, we have to first understand it for ourselves. Now, on the next episode of Anchored by Truth, I want to talk more fully about how to judge between competing truth claims, but today I just want to talk about the actual nature of truth. Like whether God exists, or the Bible is the Word of God, or Jesus is the Messiah. Well, among other big questions, yes. So before we actually talk about how to judge between competing truth claims in our next show, I just want to ensure that everyone has focused on some of the attributes of truth itself. Now, one of the first attributes of truth that I think is important to point out 
is that truth is always singular. Now, there can be an infinite number of individual truths. Each of those truths is single, whereas there is literally no limit to the number of errors that might be associated with any individual truth. I think we're going to need an example of what you're talking about. Well, here's one that we often have fun with on our Life Lessons with a Laugh. Jerry's name. I mean, Jerry's name is, well, Jerry. But in the humor series, our Life Lessons with a Laugh, I, for some reason, can't ever seem to come up with that name. But there's probably a hundred or more variants that I use. I mean, J-Bang, No CJ, and in fact, in one lesson, I call him Your Majesty. Your Majesty? Really? Well, I found that one on the internet one day under a list of boys' names starting with J. Anyway, as people who have listened to Anchored by Truth very long know, there's just about no limit to the number of ways I can mess up Jerry's name. All for fun, of course. But all of those mess-ups, all of those errors, pertain to a single truth. Jerry's real name is Jerry. So the truth is singular. His name is just Jerry. No matter how many different ways I mess it up or how many different variants I come up with, there's no limit on the number of errors. Now, it's important to understand that errors can come in two forms. Errors can be accidental or innocent, or they can be deliberate. Deliberate deviations from the truth would normally be called lies, whereas innocent or accidental deviations from the truth we would usually refer to as mistakes or errors. And the Bible prohibits lying because it normally involves the intention to deceive another person, though not all lies arise out of evil. Rahab, the harlot, lied to the men in Jericho searching for the Hebrew spies to protect them from being discovered. But that, of course, was all part of God's plan to deliver Jericho into the hands of the Israelites. So that kind of exception doesn't justify or apply to the vast majority of lies told by people. Right. So we now know that truth is that which corresponds to reality, and that deviations from the truth can be innocent or deliberate, and that there can be many, many, in fact, an unlimited number of those deviations. But here's a really important point. No matter how many lies or errors people tell about a truth, none of those affect the truth. In other words, deviations, errors, lies about a truth don't change the reality. Errors about facts don't change the facts. Uh Uh-oh. I think I see where we're going with this. If a doctor truthfully tells a patient that the patient has cancer, the patient can tell his or her friends that they don't, but that won't change the fact, the truth, that the patient has the disease. Same thing with the gas tank. Saying you filled up the tank when you didn't doesn't add any gas to the gas tank. And the same thing is true of the big truths. If Jesus was correct when he said that he was the only way to the Father, denying or lying about the truth won't change it. That is so simple in one way, but so profound in another. I agree with that. And here's another one of those points that's seemingly simple, but it also has profound implications. The number of people who agree or disagree with a particular truth won't change the truth. Or, as it's sometimes put, majority opinion doesn't determine the truth. And again, I want to make sure people understand that. Majority opinion doesn't determine the truth. 
So, for instance, when we did our series earlier this year on the truth in Genesis, and we listened to Dr. Jonathan Sarfati defend the scientific evidence for biblical creationism, the fact that a lot of scientists, maybe the majority of scientists, may or may not agree with biblical creationism doesn't affect whether biblical creationism corresponds to reality, whether it is actually true. Just to make the point in a slightly different way, opinions about the truth don't affect the truth. A patient, for instance, may, probably would, hate the fact that they have cancer. But the patient's feelings about whether they like or dislike or hate cancer would not affect whether or not they actually have it. Now, a good attitude about the cancer may very well help that patient fight the cancer effectively, and that's great. But even a great attitude won't change the underlying fact of whether or not they have cancer, no matter how many pop psychology books are out there that proclaim that we can change reality simply by changing our thoughts. Again, I want to be very clear about this. Our attitudes can certainly affect our lives, and our attitudes are certainly important determinants about the quality of lives that we live But our attitudes and our thoughts, no matter what they are, are not going to change underlying truths, facts, or reality. So, what you're saying is that we need to learn to be able to distinguish truth from lies or errors because the truth is what really actually affects us. If the gas tank is empty, we need to go and fill it up before we leave on a trip. Otherwise, we'll get stranded on the side of the road. And if Jesus is the only way to eternal life, well, at least the eternity we want to live in, one of joy and bliss, then we have to deal with that reality. Opinions about whether there should be more than one way to eternal life, agreement or disagreement about whether that's fair or just, none of that will change the underlying fact that Jesus made that claim in the upper room, that no one could come to the Father except through Him. Precisely. And that's why understanding the nature of truth is so important. Truth corresponds to reality. Now, we can enjoy or agree with that reality, or we can hate it. We can hate it with all our might, but we still have to deal with it. Now, of course, for those of us who are Christians, who are followers of Christ, we derive an unspeakable joy from knowing the truth that we have a Savior who has delivered us from our sins. But I know that there are other people who don't believe that, And I know that they might object mightily to the seeming exclusivity of the claim that Jesus made in the upper room. Well, that's the big reason that when I explain to people why I'm a Christian, I start with the fact that I believe that Christianity is true. So how I feel about that truth in the final analysis is really irrelevant. And that's the biggest reason that we do Anchored by Truth. We want people to have a solid foundation for knowing why When we say that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God, that we are talking about the truth. And that's quite possibly the most important truth of all time. Because if you don't understand that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God, if you discount what the Bible says about reality, that's leading to a future that frankly is just too horrible to contemplate. But that, of course, raises a question of how we can know the truth. Obviously, in order to know the truth, we must have a way of distinguishing among competing truth claims. 
because you are not denying that there are other books that also claim to be the Word of God. I certainly wouldn't deny that. And that's one of the reasons that on our next show, I want to talk about how it's possible to judge between competing truth claims. Because if we say that the Bible is the Word of God, and someone else says that another book is the Word of God, a different book, and particularly where those two books have vast disagreements, then one of those competing truth claims is right, and one of those competing truth claims is wrong. So people need to have an understanding or an awareness of how to make judgments between competing truth claims. So we're going to talk about that on our next show. But before we close for today, I just want to circle back to summarize and make one final point. Jesus didn't just say that he was the way, the truth, and the life. In John 8, 12, Jesus also said that he was the light of the world and that those who follow him would never walk in darkness. So when it comes to determining what is true or what is a lie or what is an error, It is absolutely imperative that we have the light of Christ in our minds to be truly illuminated about that truth. That's why the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians says that the message of the cross is foolishness to the world, because for the people who are still in the world and the light of Christ has yet to illuminate their minds, then of course they understand the cross to be foolishness. In a certain sense, that's perfectly natural. And that's one of the reasons that we have to really pray diligently that the Lord will illuminate the hearts and minds who have not yet come to a saving knowledge of Christ Jesus. Some folks might remember that a few shows back, we had an interview with Armando Flores, and his wife prayed for him for 19 years before he came to a saving knowledge of Christ Jesus. So it took a while, but it finally happened. So we have to understand that our job is to pray for those of our friends and loved ones, others, who may not yet know Christ as their Savior. And our job is to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within us, as it says in 1 Peter 3.15. But we have to remember, as we're doing our job, that only God can change the human heart. I think that's a good reminder for all of us. We must do our part, but we must trust God to do His. So to summarize what we've talked about today, truth is that which corresponds to reality. It is not merely personal preference or opinion, no matter how passionate someone may feel about what they see as the truth. Also, truth doesn't change, no matter how many different variations of the truth may be offered. Truth also isn't affected by emotions, how people feel about it. Nor is it affected about how many people may agree or disagree with it. Truth is not determined by majority opinion. And finally, Jesus told us that he is both light and truth. So ultimately, we must keep our eyes on Him to have any real hope of knowing the truth in this life. Wow, that's a lot for one time. I guess it's time to pray. So let's pray that God would illuminate the nation through the restoration of the worship of the one true God. Prayer for Restoration of the Worship of the One True God Lord of Destiny, God of Holiness, You ordained the fate of men and nations before the cornerstone of creation was laid. You are blameless in all your acts and commands, and therefore what you ordain must come to pass. Who among men can resist your will? What you sovereignly declare will happen. We rejoice that our hope rests in the power and mercy of an almighty God, and not in lesser beings. 
Lord, you know far better than we the blight that has come upon this nation. We have turned from honoring your name and seeking your will to self-exaltation and celebrating our rebellion. We cannot imagine how this must grieve you and give you justifiable cause for rebuke and reproof. We pray that you would raise up in our midst godly men and women who will be the leaders and teachers in a national renewal. We know that you have preserved a faithful remnant for yourself because you have assured us that the gates of hell cannot prevail against your church. We praise you that Christ Jesus himself makes intercession for us while he sits at your right hand. We praise him and offer this and all prayers in his holy name. Amen. Amen. We'd like to remind our audience that a lot of our radio episodes are linked together in series of topics. So if they've missed any episodes, or if they just want to hear one again, all of these episodes are available on your favorite podcast app. To find them, just search on Anchored by Truth by Crystal Sea Books. We hope you'll be with us next time, and we hope you'll take some time to encourage some friends to tune in also, or listen to the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalseabooks.com, where we're not famous, but our boss is.